0: what's happening welcome to the first season of apples and snakes the podcast i'm your host yomi Shode, and this season we will be focusing on what it means to be black british and a poet or spoken word artist if you're interested in getting a greater insight into the journeys of some of your faves then join us and keep listening saying that if you do like what you're hearing remember to subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcasts and rate us and leave a review on apple podcasts all right we're back in for part two of our conversation join myself khadijah ibrahim and Malaika Gagodi as we get right into it
1: well so we've got the people of like the likes of Zodou and naomi great poet, but also a playwright that's recently gone into film and mm-hmm. radio and TV, you know, and winning awards mm. and just being so mm. successful. The Jamal Geralds, people like that, Kadish Morris, working as a journalist um, for The Observer, you know, and really bringing poetry to the forefront when she's writing these articles for The Guardian and The Observer. And just watching... Yeah the magic of that, and some of them have gone off to the States and they're, they're independent artists working in the US. You no longer, I thought I no longer needed to be in charge of any of that. They were in, they were in yeah. charge and I could let it go. But I needed to let it go because what, was, what happened yeah. is I was Khadija Ibrahim, the mentor, the director for Legion Authors. I was not Khadija Ibrahim, the poet, the artist.
0: And this is the interesting part And holding that, Malaika mm-hmm. Interestingly There is this um, I remember one time I was in a conversation With a brethren of mine And he was part of a team that ran events And whatever it is mm-hmm. But they were all poets, right? Yeah. And they would often hold their nights But then they're bringing on the likes of like Ed Sheeran mm-hmm. Early doors, Ed Sheeran And what mm-hmm. have you, and blah 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 And all these different people Yeah. And um, after the night People were rushing off to the artists that they put on, but then they were like, "Rob, oh, but I'm a poet as well. I'm a poet." <laughs> they were like, "But I'm a poet as well." And then it became this interesting thing of, "Yes, you. This is the art form that you love, and you're you're putting on a night to kind of showcase all of these people. But at the same time, you two are also an artist trying to break."
2: Yeah, that can you be tricky. You two are also
0: pr- trying to break. So yeah. in, in, in Khadija's situation, whereas she started this whole process of of leads young authors, it was also, it was at a particular part in her journey where I would assume for the most part, it's kind of different to yours. Whereas um, it feels like, like you're on the fields, like you're out there, you're you're, you're pushing for it. Whereas, mm. whereas for Khadija's situation, she reached a point where she's like, hold on, this is what I'm going to do. and This is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. Malaika, you're still interspersing between being on all of these stages while you're still, fr- uh, dare I say, front-running or a part of an integral part of the collective milk poetry mm-hmm. and pushing that. Sh- yeah. Now, should, for example, should lead authors be at a template, we're talking 17 years of this now, uh-huh. strong building this, I'm sure for the most part, this is also part of that journey that you would love to take this collective. But you're also an artist as well in the same means. Also in the in that push as well yeah it's a hustle has yeah. this been something that you've been like oh, I don't know
2: I don't know for sure yeah <laughs> I think so with with milk poetry it's interesting what could you saying about the sort of DIY nature of you know going to the US and being like we don't know what we're doing it was going to come and do it was very much the the nature and like the way I started milk poetry like I moved to Bristol and there was already a really strong poetry scene here mm. and it was like how do I penetrate this? How do I get into this? Uh, It was really daunting to be honest because, you know, when you're in a community, you don't realize how uh, high up your walls are. Do you know what Mm. I mean? And when you're a new person coming to a city, um, it's like, Oh God, that's a lot of people. I don't know what to do. Uh, So what I did, I went to an event at the first venue that we uh, performed in uh, called the halo on Gloucester road, which is gone Mm -hmm. now, unfortunately. Uh, And it was uh, a regular night that happened there. And they just happened to be doing the very, very last night ever on the day that we went there, me and my friend Graham went there Mm -hmm. and we spoke to the people at the bar and it was like, oh, are you interested in having another poetry night in the space of this one? And they're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, all right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And we're like, okay, cool. So rather than, you know, struggle to get into a pre-existing community, I was like, well, I just begin another little community here. For people who might be a bit nervous about getting into it, who mm. don't really know where they sit on the, in the poetry world and the poetry sort of, you know, community, um, and we kind of went from there. It was a, a slam. We started a slam, and the whole idea was that if you win this slam, then you get a ten minute set at the next event. Mm. And a lot of people, you know, came up through that. Like, so do the slam, did ten minutes. Uh, then we'd run little workshops and stuff about how to actually form a set, more than just having you know, three, four poems, but like, how do you link these poems? How do we do that kind of thing? Because I think that that was a really big thing for me was helping people to actually feel like poetry was valid for them was yeah. a valid option. And that's so much more than just writing poetry, you know, mm-hmm. and it's about building that confidence and letting people know that their stories are being heard and that they can talk in between their poems and it can chime and be a really beautiful sort of kismet of ideas and words and poetry Um, Mm. so yeah they do a slam they'd win the slam and get 10 minutes and then a few months down the line they might be doing a 20 minute set and then from there they might be doing a 20 minute set in another city at another event and I really wanted to foster that environment of like you you can build this this legacy uh, and you can climb this ladder. You can make your own ladder. You can build your own ladder and climb it. <laughs> and that's that's really Same flourished. That's really worked. And you know we've had people come and do their very first sets there. We had um, so Bird Speed, uh, her first ever yeah, yeah. time on stage was at Milk Poetry Event. She was just in the audience. There happened to be a spot in the slam uh, that someone didn't turn up for and she came up on the stage and like improvised a poem for like two minutes. <laughs> wow. And it's just magic being in those rooms where people, you know, they try this, they take their first tentative steps into what they're going to become. Yeah. And just so to help people and feel, and feel safe in that place is really great. And uh, yeah, and I really love it. And I think running workshops alongside that was really, really crucial to me for just building that confidence. Um, and so from, then on we kind of wanted to keep mixing up and have this really consistent feel of we're innovating and we're trying different things. We're gonna have a night that uh, you know, everyone writes to a prompt and they come back in an hour and they mm. read the poem to that prompt. Um we also did a an event called Warm Milk, which was specializing in quieter voices. So we're mm. like, Okay, we're gonna strip Warm away milk. Yeah, warm milk. (laughs) We're going to strip away this uh, slam format that we're so used to writing in, or we feel like we have to write in in order to break through. And we're going to have warm milk, quiet voices. Is your poem longer than three minutes? Okay, come and perform it. Are you like a nervous performer? That's cool. You can come and perform and be as quiet as you want. We'll just turn the gain up on the mic, you know, and just like little things like that. Um, getting bands in and having them collaborate with, with poets, poets who might not consider themselves musicians or that to be a valid option for them. It's like, well, come on, we'll have a go. See how it goes. It's all experimentation. We're all just muddling through and working this stuff out. And I think it's really important to for everyone to feel that. And one of the big things about Milk, especially when we first started, was there was no like green room or anything like that. Everyone's in together. Everyone's... Wow chatting to each other and yeah, it's been a really, a really lush journey. It's been so nice having the team grow, you know, having different influences and all of us now who help with the running of Milk Poetry, we come from such different places, you know, we have such different influences and yeah, it's just all about sort of drawing in and building that community. But like you were saying, there is sometimes that conflict of I'm a producer, but uh, yeah, I'm also a performer
0: <laughs> and mm. I'm writing
2: stuff and I'm running workshops separate from Milk Poetry. Yeah. Mm. And it's like holding all these things and giving each thing space. A big part of that is having this team behind Milk Poetry now so I can step back and be like, okay, you're producing that event, Wicked. I'm here if you need me, but I, I need to do some writing now or just like <laughs> yeah. sleep. I think it's also <laughs> you knowing
1: when to step back. When, how, how much you're yeah. going to put yourself into something and, and when to step back. And, and also how much you enjoy that. So, you know, I really enjoyed the running of leading offers but alongside that, I was always performing and I was always getting these amazing opportunities. But I think when you get to a certain mm. age, you think to yourself, well, what is it? I, do I really want to do all this running, running around? <laughs> you know? And, and at mm. what point do you feel that something that you've been part and parcel of developing or you're the founder, that you allow it to have its own feet? You, you give yourself permission yeah. to s- step away and say
2: And also also, some of it is about ego, Yeah. to be honest. Like you build this thing and people are like, oh, cool, you, you, you've started Milk Poetry. You started Breaking New Voices and you're like, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Great. And <laughs> and you're, you're always associated with that thing. And you kind of, there's part of you that wants to hold on to that and be like, yeah, I'm the leader of this thing. And it's about recognizing that it's a thing without Ooh. you now. And you did, you've done a really good job. You you laid down the, the tracks and you laid down that foundation. And it's, it's good to step back and be like, yeah, this is community now. This isn't about me. This is a community that we've built together. And it's okay to take a step back and just to observe and enjoy and learn, like we were saying earlier about communities that you go into. It's really important to know that you can learn at any stage from anyone else at any stage. Yeah, I think stage. that's that's the
1: point that, that well the point that I was gonna make actually. But also um um Partly it's partly ego, but it depends, you know, I think ego can be a very dangerous thing in anything that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, and I always revisit back to what is in, what is important and why have you done this thing, you know, and I always revisited why I set up leading offers. And I set up leading offers for young people to have a similar experience at a younger age. Than what I was having, and what and what I found really exciting about being in the arts, but also trying to find that balance between delivering workshops, incorporating other aspects within that workshop so they get a wider range, wider reach of working with other artists, but also where you stand in that in that all. At what point do you release the reins? It's like I have three children, I know at what point you have to release the, the reins you are always mother <laughs> mm-hmm. or you are always father you know to that child but there are points where you watch that child grow and i think anything that you birth in in an idea and and you and you nurture it you know at some point you have to allow it to have its own wings and its own independence yeah. and so um and i think i realized that probably um more about five years into the project when I was stepping away. But what I also realized is that it took a lot to run the project, and that we, you know, part of running that project, and I didn't run it solo. So I don't want to think, I don't want to put it out there. I ran this project so Like, you know, I had a lot of support from Paulette Morris, a singer songwriter who was always by my side and always um, supporting the ideas. And five years in, we realized that these young people, not only are we giving them the tools to, or um, providing the tools, laying out the tools for them to be writers and poets, but we should lay out the tools for them to be independent writers and poets and artists and that they should also then themselves become mentors. So I don't know any project, you know, apart from Young Identity that has run for so long where The people that have come into the programme then begin to lead the programme and become mentors of that programme. And that's what we were doing, that even though I was at the helm of it because I was the contact person, there was a point where they were actually delivering the workshops, they were preparing the teams to go to America, they were incorporating their Mm. ideas. It just needed someone to steer the ship and to keep it going financially and putting the grants and things and so on. So there was that. But um, just going back to being an independent artist, but also telling them that while you're doing this, don't forget who you are. Don't lose who you are in all of this organizing and preparing. And one of the amazing things that has come out of Leading Authors is is a project called The Sunday Practice that has now been going for Mm. seven years, actually, The Sunday Practice. And uh, my daughter runs that. And it's an before the pandemic, it was always an open mic. And the reason why it was called The Sunday Practice is because if you're a poet, if you're an artist, you're a visual, whatever it was that you was, come and practice your stuff on the stage, yeah, (laughs) to an audience. It's in a bar, it's in a a, um, basement bar called The Cellar Bar. We've got a live band. Um, And we'd invite people Mm. and they'd go, can I rehearse with the band? And we'd go, no. It's called the Sunday practice. So that mm-hmm. we've got this band who are just going to vise with you. You don't need if you want them; they can be there. That's
0: oh, it's tough, you know. I'm this is my history. You. This is what this is my this yeah. is how I grew up yeah. in this open mic. You just go you up just go and, and just play too. Yeah. You got to so do what, what you do.
1: What, was, what is great about the Sunday practice is that the musicians. A lot of the musicians come from the music college, and so they want an opportunity to practice mm. their stuff. The poets want an opportunity to practice. The artists want... An, everybody in the space wants to practice something, and um, yeah. and we're kind, it's nice, and everybody knows, based on the, the, the name, the Sunday practice, that we're all practicing something up on this stage. And what's great about it, I say we, but I don't run it, I host and so it's great that um, mm. I'm in there. My daughter's like, Mommy, you, you, are you going to host for me? And I'm like, yeah, I'll host for you. So I introduced the act, but I'm not in charge of running it. I don't have any paperwork attached to it. But it's something that grew out of Leeds Offers that I feel really proud. And I look and I think every, you know, once a month on a Sunday, this Sunday practice is the longest running open mic in Leeds consistently running open mic where yeah. people say, I found my voice in there and I'm now and I can now go off and lead workshops or I found my um my my confidence in there amongst people. You know, so there's something really beautiful about that program of work and when you step back you like a mother or a father, like a parent, a carer does, and you see that your contribution has flowered, has blossomed. It's like you you planted that Mm. seed and it took roots and it's flowered.
2: Also, I feel like open mics are so, so important. Like, I saw a tweet uh, earlier today. I don't know who who tweeted it. uh, But just talking about how a lot of people, they get to a certain point in their careers and they stop going to open mics. And I get it because... You know, a lot of the time you spend years at open mics and slams and at those sorts of events and you kind of get to a point where you're a bit fatigued and you just want to, you know, do your gigs and do sets and stuff like that. But there's just the whole world in open micing that is so valuable and I think sometimes is a bit at risk. Like there was a, uh, an amazing open mic every Friday at the Arts House in Bristol um, and that cafe closed down. And that that night had been running for years and years and had been passed on and passed on and passed on. I think uh, Jeremy Toomes started it and just had various hosts, various Bristol poets come and host this event. And it was so, it was such a gorgeous event. It was like a proper hodgepodge of artists. Lot. It was mostly poetry, but like people would come and like you know play various instruments and do some chanting, do some hymns. Uh, all sorts. So much came from that open mic and it was such a nurturing environment. And uh, yeah, the cafe closed down, some new people took over it. And when asked if they could still do the open mic there, they were like, oh no, we don't want to stay open that late. And so that open mic where so many people found their feet uh, is just mm. gone now. And I think that's happening a lot of places because a lot of times open mics are free or they're sort of donation entry and a lot of places just don't have the capacity to to do that anymore. And it's such a shame because I yeah, open mics are really important and some people don't fit into that slam format as well as others. And that's still um, totally valid. And yeah, open mics just give us the opportunity to find our feet as performers, but also just figure out who we are and how we fit into a society and how we fit into a community.
0: I would I would um just to tether off for of that. In terms of the open mic, I will always champion the open mic, always, always. I even believe in a in my in my author notes or whatever it is, I will still champion the open mic because I think it is just where you find your voice. And 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 just sticking to both of your points that you raised, and also I'm aware that I'm taking up a lot of your time, and I'm very thankful no, for your time that welcome. you that you've given today. I if there's one thing that I don't think has been spoken about. If I, I think Khadija just touched on it briefly, but I think since, since we even started our conversation, is around support, it's around um, even mentorship or or anything around that. You know, previous conversations that I've had, like I think loosely at the point of even answering or just talking at a point, they will, they will talk that the individual will speak on a community that has at points that was really, really difficult, this community's been there, and just held them at the points where things got super difficult. And Khadija you touched on it lightly in regards to these young authors. Like it's not just me one running this. Like there's 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 support on hand. And I was wondering what that support is like in 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 your spaces, you know, and whether again. There is this whole kind of, again, going back to this London-centric feel where that can be very, 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 very um, (laughs) cluttered with like all these different things, whether it's events. Or I even remember when I was vexed, I was so vexed when Malaika Boga said she was moving. I was like, when Malaika is like, oh, I'm, I'm leaving. I was like, what do you mean you're leaving? Do you know, it was almost like... Almost like a different struggle. Yeah, yeah, so like, yeah. yeah. What about? you talking? <laughs> about? Are, like, you, are you going you, to leave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I <I'm> I <like>, what? <laughs> I like what? What What'd you talk about? Do you know it was like it was almost like when I was um even going through different boroughs yeah. when I was working and like what do you mean you're leaving South London? You got no London? Are you mad? What's wrong with you, bruv? <laughs> so it's almost like when like I was like no, I'm leaving. I'm moving. And um. Moving on to Leeds, I'm just 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 going to see what's going on there. She had her set up and everything was there. And at that point, I realised just for the most part how much access I had to either to mentorship or to folks that have been in this for a long amount of time. And it wasn't until that point that she said she was leaving that I felt this strange sense of of loss, like, oh, I can't just... Buzz you like that or just kind of like kind of kind of just come and just be like oh I just need like no it's not and I'm like if I feel that in a space that I'm for the most part I feel like I've got all these different people around me Mm -hmm. that I'm just like what about for folks that don't necessarily have Mm -hmm. that kind of support system around yeah. them if if everything is quote unquote in london and x is in is in Glossary or x is in manchester for example or wherever else and they want to reach someone but they not can't reach someone then do they have to figure this out for themselves for the most part in trying to make sense of things and i'm not even saying that in any biased way but i'm just really made me think about what are the survival in this whole situation and if you don't necessarily have people there as support or mentoring or guidance then how does one figure out what steps to take? you know Malaika, you touched on the open the the venue closing down mm-hmm. the venue closing down was a hub of all these different poets,
2: yeah,
0: for when yeah. that's down so i would i artists. would ring up i would ring up an I would ring up an elder for example, or someone to be like, oh, what move can I make next, or something like that?" But I'm like, did you have those?" connections to a certain degree to just pick up the phone and call someone to be like what can I do next what's my next move or and if not what yeah. happened
2: so I think the interesting thing with that situation especially with the arts house is that it was such a huge array of different artists from different places and a lot of them I don't know if I'm gonna see them again you know because I would only see them there I'd be like oh cool this person is gonna play some sister for me um and I haven't seen him in, in the years since it's closed, you know. So after, after that happened, and I was only sort of a, I went occasionally, I wasn't part of the sort of core community who ran that night, uh, but I was chatting to Tom Sastry, who at the time was hosting it. And he was just like, I've been to this night for years and years and, you know, uh, have been talking to previous hosts and talking to the people around it who've, connections I've made through this event. And there was just a, a real sense of despondency and anger that this thing had been taken away from them. And they kind of started to try mm. and pick it up in a different venue, but it just wasn't, didn't have the same impact. There's something about that venue in particular where it was so central, so easy to get to and, you know, not the best for accessibility, but it just had been there for such a long time. And it's so difficult to to recreate that environment that's been built over, you know, years in terms of like mm. people moving away that kind of stuff, it can be really tricky. I think what comes across a lot, I think when I talk to poets is that so many of us have been outsiders or feel like outsiders and we come into poetry and it's, it might be for a lot of us the first time we've had that support, had that sense of community you've felt like we belonged anywhere. And once you get used to that, it's, it's really hard to imagine it changing. And so if people do kind of drift off, if people move, it feels like a big, a big wound a lot of the time. Um, mm. I was chatting to somebody just the other day who has been a mentor for me, has taught me to like run workshops and just been a really strong, like was already in Bristol and it's just a really giving, nurturing person. And they were like, Oh yeah, I'm moving soon. I've not told anyone yet but I'm moving. And I was like, but you're, you're, you're Bristol. <laughs> And I really felt that kind of um, those flashes of oh oh god how this is changing the 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 landscape of where we are and the support that we have. But mm. whilst it was a bit of a shock because I wasn't expecting it, I'm like but you know some people they're ready to move on and build new communities and nurture other people. And then I kind of reflect on where Bristol is now compared to where it was when I first started, and just the fact that poetry alone is so much bigger now and so much you know it's everywhere uh just over the last sort of, three four years the prolifer- proliferation of it has been immense and I'm sure you guys have noticed that as well and so it's not so much that we need this one community that has been here all the time because I think communities are springing up all over the place and there are little pockets of communities in Bristol that are poetry based that I'm not part of and I find that quite comforting in a way that it's not just this one place to go and I, I really value how many people have mentored me through my journey in poetry and I think that poetry is a place where sometimes we maybe don't appreciate or acknowledge enough how much support we get from each other and how much we learn from each other and teach each other and it's really good I think when somebody does move out of the scene or move out of the city or the country or whatever that we reflect on what that means and how far we've come and yeah just that there's so much more there now and there's so many different factions of what a community can be and what support can look like
0: hmm all right so on that on that note what's on your bookshelves folks (laughs) what is on your what is on your bookshelves what is on your bookshelf? Because uh, uh, the landscape, as 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 far reaching as it is, Malaika's just just like gracefully, just explained for the most part, it's like, all right, cool. If these folks are going to be traveling, and some some might come back and recognize, just just yo, listen, your poems were kind of they grew in these ends, out in these streets. If you're going to go to LA, if you're going to be going to elsewhere, hell, wherever, just know. Or remember, or bear in mind how these poems have grown, and I and I would love to to think that the books that we're reading travel with us as well, so that that it holds a certain part of what we might be relating to. Mm-hmm. And on that note, what 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 are you? What, what's on your bookshelves? Um, what are you reading right now?
1: Well, I. I... Is it possible? Um, firstly, I, I couldn't really hear uh, Malika, so I'm not sure if my sound is in or anything like that. Because um, I
0: it was cutting out in some parts. Oh, it was parts. okay. Yes.
1: So I was just checking if it was my signal. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I was just checking um, yeah, if yeah, my signal was going. But, um, yeah. What's on my bookshelf? Um, is oh god, there's so many. My bookshelves are full of books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From the Western Mind. The, trust the, me,
0: trust me. Yeah. I'm on a book band, I, that's well, how bad it is. I'm on a yeah, book Yeah, I cannot put band. myself
1: on a book band because the shops Imagine. are closed because I, I am, a, um, I love shoes and I love books. <laughs> <laughs> and since the shops are closed, um, I, I'm buying more books. So <laughs> maybe I can tell you kind of um, what I've been looking at reading recently. Maybe um, that would be helpful. Yeah, yeah
0: you got, at least give us two. Cause if you're like me, I can give, you're, you're I... like me. give you the most
1: recent. Give me two. You're like me.
0: Do you see your face? Your face. When I said two, it's you're like,
1: like what? what? I'm like holding these books. Like, <laughs> <What>? come on.
0: <gasps> Stop you know? your well, behavior. I think
1: reading is so important first and foremost. And, um, and I could just easily tell you a number of things that are on my bookshelf quite easily. But one, my, my most recent yeah. purchase and what I'm really enjoying at the moment is a book called Too Much Midnight by, yeah, Too Much Midnight Too Much by Krista Franklin. And this book mm. is, what is interesting about this book, not only is it groundbreaking in 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 certain ways, but it draws on that pan-African, black surrealism of Afrofuturism and that whole pop culture. So what Krista Franklin does, she's a Chicago visual artist and poet. And what Krista does is that she responds to the visual arts that she creates through poetry. Mm. And so in this book, you Mm. get this collection of visual arts made by Krista, you know, she makes her own paper, she responds in the most beautiful ways, and then writes poems. And it's, it's, yeah, there's something quite interesting and superb about the imagery in this collection, Mm -hmm. as well as the poems. Mm -hmm. The poems really draw you into that, that, the imagination and the way in which we can imagine space. And the, and the, possibilities mm. and the impossibilities of space and i'm reading it because um my work is reflecting that thing of afrofuturism that that the way in which we maneuver f- through time and space in terms of our body So i talked about dead rights mm-hmm. so um i'm mm. reading it for that reason and then the other book because since we can only do two but I'm going to be rude and just mention, I'm not going to talk about it, but I'm just going to mention very, very quickly Middle Passage by Camel Braithwaite. Yeah, because Camel yeah, Braithwaite yeah. is one of m- one of my ultimate favourite poets, amongst so many other poets. And, you know, he, he, <laughs> he died recently and we, we um, the mm. international poetry um, movement celebrated 40 nights of Camel Braithwaite in which we read poems mm. for 40 nights. That's so beautiful. I do want to mention him. You know, um, as a, a a poet that was born in Barbados, but this one is not a poetry book because I don't read all poetry books. <laughs> you know, I do, <laughs> which is important. Yeah. I think that's a very key so thing I'm as well. I'm reading <laughs> Jamaican folk medicine, a source of healing, and this really looks at like the pioneering, wow. multidisciplinary approach to um, ways in which we examine folk stories and folk medicine. You know, and the way in which we can begin to look at the aspect of um folk healing that came from mm. the African continent into the African diaspora, and then the way in which we mm. we um, address those medicines, those plants really into how plants become medicinal for the body, but they all become part of that that sense of understanding. In, in the way in which our ancestors were thinking at that time, that holistic approach awesome. to um, to the body, to culture, um, and yeah. so those are the two. And I, there's a question. I'm going to let Malika say something, but there's something I want to um, say afterwards, if that's okay. Yeah, because like, <laughs> I feel you. You mentioned <laughs> no, you've because be... <laughs> you mentioned it, and then you went off. Um, I'm a bit like that. <laughs> You mentioned it, and then you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you went off and we didn't go to visit it. And I've been so desperate to visit. Uh, okay. That. Visit the. Okay, topic okay. With you, if that's
0: okay. Um, yeah. All good. That's fine. Malaika, talk to us.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been I've been reading a lot about um, like internet and media recently. I've been doing some writing and planning some writing um, around the internet because I, you know, grew up and I remember a time before internet but it came into my life quite young when I was still quite young and you know came into my house and now I just use it constantly all the time and I'm really interested (laughs) in how how the internet affects our identities and Mm. how we view ourselves so I read um yeah (laughs) it's a lot and and the more you think about it the more you're like oh my god oh my god so much of what I, I know of myself and how I present myself has been so influenced by you know what I've consumed online And yeah, it's just interesting. I think this is an interesting generation of people who are so well versed in the internet, who can type faster than anybody else (laughs) Mm. and can remember the modem. who can remember the dial up noise. And now, you know, we have the internet in the palm of our hands, literally. Uh, Yeah, I just find it really, really fascinating and just reflecting on who I would be if I didn't have those early internet experiences. I think a lot of people experience a lot of trauma via the internet and that just becomes part of their identity and how they see themselves. And and yeah, I just find it really fascinating. So I read uh, the subtweet by uh, Vivek uh, Shiraya, who is okay. trans author. He was also a poet. Uh, This is a novel, and it's about two South Asian uh, musicians and their relationship towards each other and also their relationship as it appears through Twitter. Uh, And, you know, they kind of begin this novel quite unaware of each other. One becomes a fan of the other, and they meet each other through the internet. They build a real sense of friendship. um, (laughs) And then the internet comes in again, and it's like... Uh, how much this thing, this weird mm. thing just impacts our relationships. And yeah, so that's, that's great. I really recommend that. And it's just a really unique and fresh way of storytelling as well that I really enjoyed. Um, and I've also been reading Dipping In and Out of Trick Mirror, Reflections on Self-Delusion, which okay. is a, a series of essays uh, by Gia Tolentino, who writes for Jezebel various sort of online um, journals and things like that and that's very much about media internet reality tv uh and how those things influence our identities and you know how we present ourselves and the lies that we tell ourselves uh right. you know i'm this person on twitter i'm this person on facebook are these people both who i am when i'm alone uh, things like that it's yeah, yeah really interesting to me. I also recently read essays um in a book called Lurking, How a Person Became a User by Joanne O'Neill, um, which is basically the recent history of the internet for people sort of in their twenties and thirties. Um and yeah, it's just really interesting hearing somebody who had similar, you know, (laughs) experiences to you and similar websites and uh, you know, how we went from the internet being this place that we went to being Thing
0: that we're part of. Both both of you ain't playing. I know that for sure. Cause this is some deep <laughs> stuff. I'm all there trying to think about watching a yeah. last singer or something. And then I'm like, this is. <laughs> I'm not, I I'm like, not you even know, supporting right. it on the mass thing. I was like, really? Oh my god. Not even the voice, yeah. you know, I'm the like, voice I can get is, with. Listen, listen. <laughs> what you're not let's not do that i'm gonna be listen. here for time i'm producer <laughs> pro, producer and engineer looking at me and they'll be feeling like listen <laughs> listen you lot proper talking like we got I, I am you know proper propagates <laughs> on my let, eyebrows That's i just to say joke. You <laughs> right up, yeah. Talisha, go go because you I've still, still got, got a poem, poem to, share, to share so go okay. go real um, quick
1: like, you mentioned something about um language and um, then we didn't we really didn't, ah, we, didn't we didn't revisit, revisit language the language or anything,
0: and, and it's just there with me you know I want yeah <laughs> I really you're right you're right let's touch on language yeah. real quick producer produ, producer producer <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much. She giving a smile. Smart... Hey, listen, do you know the part? The best part of my my job for the listeners as well and everyone as well. I ain't gonna edit I this know, afterwards. I know. This is a weekend. Let's have and, our conversation. Yeah, Let's I, give them such yeah. good content. It's gonna be like the maddest it decision is, to know what be. is going on. What makes the cut? <laughs> so I'm, so I'm talking. I'm. I, I wanted to really look at, and I know we spoke before we even went on like live in talking about language and how language. Is because I want that to be a running theme Ooh. going through this series for the most part. How language changes even in publishing, and now what language means in relation to this kind of national voice. And I know that we, uh, if I'm on stage, it's not only that; it's just me on stage. I also I'm bringing my language into 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 this as well into this discourse, and I wonder. Again, and, and I speak to what I've heard over time is like, you know, the accents, whether or whatever landscape shit in the landscape, that the accents are, 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 are different. And the ear trains yeah. itself to listen and take in people or just kind of lock off completely. So if we're talking on a national level what part does language play and does that do you feel that has a huge impact in terms of this kind of ongoing situation of 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 national voices for example when it pertains to poetry
1: (laughs) you know (laughs) there's this thing about in the way in which we use language and and dialects you know depending on where you're coming from so there's this interplay of giving people, when I'm doing workshops, giving people permission to say, give yourself permission to use your own language on the page. I I often work with Mm. diverse communities, people coming from different parts of the world. You know, I studied language at university and I think it's so rich when you can speak more than one. And so it's not necessary that we will have a comprehension of of those diverse languages on the page, but there's something quite rich about it. So recently People Tree Press um, published um, a book called, you see, I have to look at the title. It's called um, The Sea Needs No Ornaments. And The Sea Needs No Ornaments mm. is a collection of Caribbean um, poets and the, the idea of this collection is that it's written in both English and Spanish, so it has a Spanish translation. And it's wonderful to see mm. my own poetry translated into Spanish and just to see how that sits on the page and to hear somebody read mm. that. But also that richness of nation language. So when I'm actually writing, Someone said, "Well, do you write in Jamaican?" I said, "I don't know what Jamaican is." <laughs> you know, I don't know what Jamaican <laughs> is. What I understand is that <laughs> Jamaica has a nation language, as does the Caribbean. That is very rich and reflective of the people and the history. It is an amalgamation yeah. of of languages. That reflects on what has happened on those Caribbean islands. So it has an amalgamation of French and Spanish and Dutch and English and, and African languages melded into that. And so when people um, ask those questions and they say, oh, is it Jamaican dialect or is it, is it broken English? I said, there's nothing broken about this language, it doesn't require fixing. Yeah. You know because it's it's there already, it's very rich and i um what I add to that as someone that's born um in Yorkshire is that I add uh what I call a Jamaican Yorkshire <laughs> to, to the <laughs> language you know I add something else to it because you know um mm. and I think that yeah. we should have this free range of how we how language appears on this on the page and how it appears on the stage what are we giving to the listener you know the listener can be quite. we can make the listener lazy and say oh i understood everything and that was really really nice or we can give the listener some work to do and it becomes more interactive in terms of them tuning their ear into what is actually being said and it's not necessarily that they will understand Mm -hmm. everything but the world is rich in terms of dialects and 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 languages and that we often all need to tune and retune our thinking so i just really wanted to mention that um and especially the, yeah and especially important. the way in which authors you know from different countries will use will interchange between english and their home language on the page
2: yeah and i think as well like uh, an important thing to remember about exploring dialects and exploring language is it can be really really fun like we talk about it in a way that uh, seems almost academic but actually it can be a really fun thing to do this is you know voices various voices various influences and so many of us come from so many different places and to really indulge in that and have fun with that i think is mm. is really great and like I know Bogdan Bogdan Piazeski in, in Birmingham is a big um, supporter of you know trying different dialects and trying different languages and you know inviting people to explore that and explore that language not only vocally but with, through body and through voice. Uh, something mm. that happens at uh, Mac Comedy Festival in Wales is they have uh, Welsh language comedians come on stage and just perform in Welsh to an audience, uh, and they can have headphones they put on, and then the uh, the comedy is being translated into the headphones at the same time as the person on stage is talking. Mm. And at any point, you can just kind of take off your headphones and watch the comedy, and you kind of fall into the rhythm of it, and it's like, okay, this is, this is a build-up to a punchline, that was a punchline. And, you know, you can start laughing, and you can Get on board with it because you get used to those rhythms, and it's about breaking it down and making that accessible and sharing language um, I think is is a really fun thing to do and it I think a lot of people don't venture into that because they're scared of getting stuff wrong uh, they're scared of seeming ignorant or like you know it's always that fear of looking stupid that holds us back so much and I think going into those environments sharing language, sharing sound is really really key to you know seeing where where we go next with poetry
0: um this has been awesome this has been awesome I I I got so many more questions but I'm not before I get dashed out yeah. this entire studio <laughs> <laughs> um, Khadija do you would you mind to round us up with, yeah, a, with sure. a poem of yours sure. please um,
1: <laughs> I was just searching through searching through you know you know man did <coughs> give me enough um, notice earlier on that I was reading poems.
0: <laughs> D- listen 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 my role officially is to, um, to facilitate yeah. this conversation. If should at any point I have any yeah. issues please raise it with the producer. Fiat. No I'm and so happy to read a poem would, for you. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah read that poem. Read, read that poem and own that yeah. poem as you. Not, no, leave your <laughs> authors attached. None no, of no. that.
1: <laughs> okay, so this, this poem um, is called Kitch, as in Kitchener, Lord Kitchener, the Clipsonian. So, Kitsch Duck mm. from Big Ship. This poem starts with a man and song. Ones whose legacy lingers, lyrical magic, in the arrangement of Calypso, sun and the tilt of burnt molasses, pour like a resurrection of spirit and shadow. A with midnight eyes of Fulani or Yoruba blood, packed tight. Seated throne-like, filled with ancestral stories, tech luggage, and left He Island, with a crown hovering in the moon, all black and kingly, peacock plumped chest, Selama style, planted two-foot-like cassava pan ship deck. And set sail across an ocean. Not like his forefathers before him. Mass bodies in dotty stink, hauling pits. He arrived, mm-hmm. Lado island king, Shango, godlike, elevated, lyrics full as if him was sea captain stirring ship heavenwards in the so-so grey skylines, shine of calypso. This story is, the story is, he fling sung, pelt the white man good from ship deck, lick them with London is a place for me. Oh, Masakich, tapped notes, mixed mystic moonlight of Kaizo and Calypso like bus up shot. Well dressed to call up any spirits, over the dead with verse and chorus. His words take its own flight. Two. This poem is an ocean of mass players in the slow breath of chest and belly rising, performance in tongues, black sweat of skin, in the dum kaka dum, kaka and the punging of sweetness of still pan rhythms. We are in mourning, last, with plenty players, living blackness in the diaspora, humming calls in remembrance of the dead. Ship and ocean, wakefulness, make we body rise up, voodoo, Obia arisha, beating, beating beating drum and sugar cane plantations, liquor to earth. This rum could be blood of Christ, released in fet with flags and man in mass. Father, God knows this is not a work for coal we ain't asked no permission fi do this. Listen to the juve silence before the drum rebel drum pan players. The dum, kaka dum, kaka dum, kaka. God of Arisha mimicking Chorus and tuned hammers and pans in this ya dum. Kaka dum. Kaka dum. Kaka is ocean. Water beneath ship bottom. This pan punging is a mass, a Midnight rubber, a blue jab jab black. Aisle, dome, molasses, coffin, dragging, devil in story and rhythms. This, dum, ka, dum, kaka and stick ponging is the niceness. When it find its place, when we find this spear, fitel, we own, starry. To change the shape of this. punging This your heartbeat can't stop.
0: Hmm. That, <laughs> my sound effects, man. I, listen. Yeah. <laughs> it, season two of this, I hope there's a season two. Should ha- we'll, we'll, that will be one thing that we're installing in there. Khadija, that felt, I see the theatre in that. And I know that if you're immersing this in live theatre, I can just imagine what is going on on that stage and how you'd be really bringing this mm-hmm. music across to us. And music not being the sounds, but the music being the sounds in terms of voice. And this is a different conversation to be had in relation to how one uses voice to really get us going on this journey. And I think that is, not even I think, that this is what you do beautifully and 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 and... And something that I is like a, a, a mentee, dare I say. I have kind of just seeing you do with ease and it's been a pleasure to just still have the same feels it's, um, all now. Thank you very much, people. Thank you Thank so, you. so, 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 so much. Um, we, while we don't necessarily have the answers in terms of this ongoing back forth of, 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 of London versus the God knows who else. Um, there, what what has been very clear is 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 that there will be a huge problem if there isn't as much if, if there isn't focus on stories nationwide. Yeah. Do you see what I mean. And I think what 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 I've gathered from this discussion and just this exchange is just the amazing work that you are both doing in in in, in your respective. Um, cities and and how how for the most part you're speaking not only to the locality of where you're at but you're speaking cross-border like anybody ready to just engage in good quality storytelling and growth and development and it's been such a pleasure. Um, Covid to a certain degree has kind of in, in a weird way open up this realm of zoom and zoom being a whole situation where people can now access mm. folks online as opposed to like coming up with mad excuses like yeah. oh i can't travel there or i can't you can't come here mm. and now it's almost like it's open this 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 window of just taking in you got no excuse to not book a poet from from here or there or wherever else the, yeah. the access is here and i i i really hope going into a more physical space where we can all meet that i start to notice changes and we all start to notice changes of more integration as poets as writers and as storytellers it's been an absolute pleasure just speaking to speak into both you of know you.
1: having said that year mate does that mean that you're going to come to um the Passover events that i run listen you, you let me tell you i'm <laughs>
0: running some i'm running some events called the Passover right we're, we're done <laughs> you need we're, to come. we're done <laughs> like, I'm, uh, I'm I'm absolutely more than ready like this is already breaking my yeah. new normal in terms of just talk because I think it's been such a long yeah. time since we've spoken Malaka, such a pleasure to speak to you like like yeah, just getting to know a lot more about the work you're doing and let's definitely talk yeah. and carry these conversations and thank you very much thank you both very very thank very much thank you, you, you Malaka. it's been a pleasure
1: sharing this platform with you and thank you to yes, Snakes you for too. inviting me
0: Thank you for listening to Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I've been your host, Yomi Shode, and I hope you've enjoyed today's deep dive into the lives of black British poets and creatives. Big ups to audio producer Drew Hawley at The Lab Studios. If you want to find out more about Apples and Snakes, head over to www.applesandsnakes.org and follow Apples and Snakes on all social media channels. And remember, if you like what you're hearing, please, please, please subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcast and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.